0: Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 37. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. I'm going to cut the chase here because this week I've got some Drabble news that I can't wait to tell you about. Bangalore, India. Revered by some in her village as the reincarnation of a Hindu goddess, a two-year-old girl born with four arms and four legs was undergoing surgery on Tuesday to leave her with a normal body. The girl's name is Lakshmi. She's joined to a parasitic twin that stopped developing in her mother's womb. The surviving fetus absorbed the limbs, kidneys, and other body parts of the undeveloped fetus. Children born with deformities in deeply rural parts of India, like the remote village that Lakshmi hails from, are often viewed as reincarnated gods. The young girl is no different. She's named after the four-armed Hindu goddess of wealth, and her parents say she's revered in her village. I've thrown a link to this article with a photo on our discussion forums at www.drabblecast.org to give those of you who haven't joined some extra incentive to do so. It really is amazing. She's an octo-child, and she's absolutely adorable. The grueling surgery took over a day to remove her other limbs, but everything turned out okay. She's a healthy bipedal two-year-old now. I wonder if she's gonna be proud or embarrassed of her baby pictures 20 years from today. I can almost hear her future boyfriend now going through her photo albums. Girl. You must be a Hindu goddess. Oh, you. You're too sweet. Girl, you must be part cuttlefish then or something. Cuttlefish? I'll cuttlefish you, mister. No, seriously. Why do you have eight legs in this picture? Eight legs? <laughs> what are you... T- oh, those. Yeah, well, see. Well, see, That was that was forever ago, really. It was just... I had this parasitic twin kind of... Conjoined. It was. It's embarrassing, really. Here, here, why don't you give me those? I'm happy that Lakshmi made it through surgery okay, and I hope that she's able to forgive her parents for robbing her of a lucrative career in supervillainry. Today's story is called Luna Springs by Patrick Hurley. After spending some time in Ireland and a little more time in Costa Rica, Patrick has settled down in Chicago to write stories. Patrick's been published in The Willows Magazine. Nightblade, and the Horror Library. So without further ado, Luna Springs by Patrick Hurley. You can't wait to be rid of me, can you? Dad, that's not true. Arthur looked away and mumbled. Bullshit. Not in front of the girls, Art, Eileen chided. Arthur peered across the table at his giggling granddaughters, and with grave precision pronounced bull-shit. His son Ted sighed. Hell, I can't say I blame you, Arthur continued. I'd want to be rid of me too. I look half a corpse and I smell like the other half. Dad, don't. I hate being patronized almost as much as I hate this stupid wheelchair. Arthur tried to rotate in his seat and failed. You could have at least sprung for a hover chair. Ted tried to keep his voice pleasant. Dad, I've I've been doing a lot of research. On Luna Springs. It's top notch. The effect of lessened gravity and the increased solar exposure are supposed to spare me the science lesson, son. It's one thing to cart grandpa off to a home. It's another altogether to launch me to the goddamn moon. Both granddaughters gasped. Okay, said Eileen, in her too sweet voice, her eyes still cold. I think it's time for Grandpa's medicine. Arthur grew pale. I don't want any, he whispered. Why not, Ted asked. I don't like it. It makes you happy. It makes me forget. Arthur reluctantly accepted a few spoonfuls of dulvertid, Soon his eyes grew glassy, and a dull smile creased his face. The girls giggled at the thin line of drool dripping down from his chin. There, that's better, Eileen pronounced as Arthur drifted off into nothingness. Really dear, I can't wait until we get that man on the moon. Families crowded the launch platform, each with an elderly passenger in tow. See, they've got hover chairs, grumbled Arthur as Ted wheeled his father towards the registration center. The doors were opened for them by gentlemen wearing sky-blue uniforms, the seal of a smiling silver moon gleaming on their chests. Inside, an old woman's voice could be heard screeching like a crow. You're launching us into the sun! Admit it, you're shooting us straight into hell! Her family pretended not to hear her smiling sheepishly at everyone else in line. Some of the elderly stared silently at the shuttle, with tears in their eyes. Some stared with anticipation. Most were on and stared contentedly at nothing. At Arthur's insistence, the family had not given him any of the wonder drug. Ted succumbed to the request, in part because they'd run out and refills were expensive, but also because he thought his daughter's last memory of his father Should be a lucid one. When they reached the front of the line, Ted presented his ticket and signed the release forms. An instant later, two sky-blue orderlies appeared on either side of Arthur's chair and began wheeling him away. Arthur looked back towards his family. Please let me stay. Tears were running down his cheeks. They'd never heard him speak so humbly before, so pleadingly. I'll try to be more pleasant, Arthur continued, his voice trembling. I'll even, I'll even take the damned happy drugs. Eileen huffed. The orderlies folded their arms. Ted paused. For so long, he dreamt of a free schedule, an extra room, and a cease to unwanted, querulous demands. Then he looked over to his wife. Bye, Dad, he said, kissing his father's forehead. I know you'll like it up there. Arthur's eyes widened in pain. Girls, go hug your grandpa. They approached hesitantly, one and then the other. Arthur clutched them fiercely until they started to shift uneasily and Eileen pulled them away. The family waved as Arthur was wheeled toward the rocket ship. With a face as still as stone, eyes red, Arthur stared blankly ahead. The family returned to the observation deck as the shuttle began its countdown. As it reached ten seconds, everyone began chanting along. Five, four, three, two, one. They all cheered, some louder than others. As the family drove home, Ted's daughter Lisa asked, Will Grandpa be okay? Of course he'll be okay, Ted snapped irritably. Eileen placed her hand on his arm. When can we visit him? Ted pretended not to hear the question, and they did not repeat it. Yes, I'm here to see Arthur Prince. The receptionist looked up from her magazine. And you are his son, Theodore. Who else would it be? I made an appointment a month ago. Ah, Let me see. The receptionist tapped her hollow screen. Well, we received your request, but it says here our resident declined. (laughs) There must have been a mistake. Ted tried to peek around at the screen. Not according to our files, the receptionist said in a serious voice, then tapped the screen dark. Listen, <laughs> you don't know my father. He's stubborn. He, he probably declined because he was upset or high on Dovertid. He hasn't seen his family in a year. I'm sure he'd enjoy the visit. Look, Ted smiled. I'm sure you can circumvent this, right? I'm sorry sir, but we don't go against lucid residents' wishes here. It clearly states that he specifically does not want to see you. Lucid? (laughs) My father's on a constant doverted regimen. How does he know what he wants? The receptionist's eyes narrowed. She'd seen the type before. The guy spends a month's salary to get up here, only to be snubbed by a father he was probably desperate to get rid of in the first place. He was the fifth one she dealt with this month. According to my chart here, she said sweetly, your father is progressing along nicely and hasn't received any Dolferted in the last eight months. Ted paused. Really? She nodded. There's no way, then, for me to see him? The receptionist consulted her hollow screen once more. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a two-hour visiting pass to the commons. If you don't mind visiting with the other residents, then maybe you'll run into them. Ted didn't relish the idea of being foisted upon a herd of incident geriatrics, but this trip had cost him too much to leave without trying. Luna Springs' common room was not what he expected. Rock music blared loudly over the speakers. There were no wheel or hover chairs. The residents walked around upright, laughing and flirting with each other like teenagers. They were happy. Not the zonked-out haze of Dolvertid, but the real thing. And the smell. From visiting his grandparents as a child, Ted had memories of nursing homes smelling vaguely of piss and sour milk, but the aroma here was wonderful. Fresh flowers, perfume, cologne, Ray Charles, what I'd say, came over the speakers as Ted watched an old man dance between three cooing grandmothers, alternately pinching and kissing each of them on the cheek. There was something familiar about him. Dad? The matrons unhitched themselves from Arthur. Ted's father whispered something to them, and they departed, laughing softly. For a moment, Arthur looked so angry that Ted felt like a kid about to be scolded. But then Arthur broke into a smile. <laughs> so you came anyway, eh? Arthur clapped Ted hard on the shoulder. They shook hands. Ted was amazed at his father's grip. For a moment, all he could do was stare. <laughs> You're walking. You can walk. Well, nothing gets by you, son. But How? Well, the orderlies gave me some mumbo-jumbo about Daniel Stewart, this billionaire genius who wanted to live in the heavens before he died. I guess he did his research. They say the gravity's lessened here. Air's purified, filtered with vitamins and proteins. Even the light's better. Luna Springs is on a mobile foundation, timed to keep optimum reflected sunlight at all hours. But (laughs) you know what I think? I think... Earth was holding on too tightly. Once it let go, we got something back. It's its like being young again. The ladies here feel it too. Arthur gave his son a wink. you You can't mean... What about Mom? What about her? I loved your mother. I always will. Everyone up here has lost at least one person they loved. Some of us were even forced up here by families that didn't want us anymore. Ted looked away. Son, I'm happy on the moon. Here, I get to have some fun before I die. Here, my mind is crystal clear. My memories come alive in the moonlight and dance with the stars. Here, I have a new life. Arthur's face became cold. And I'd rather not be reminded of the old one. Ted flinched. Arthur smiled as if nothing had happened. (laughs) Don't feel bad, son. Think of me as I'll think of you. A memory. You won't visit? Ted was surprised to hear himself ask. Return to that heavy, clingy bitch of a planet? Arthur sighed. (laughs) No, Ted. I won't visit. Arthur hugged his stunned son and then nodded. The two orderlies standing behind Ted came forward and escorted him back to the returning rocket. Upon returning to Earth, Ted Prince refused to discuss his trip to Luna Springs. His wife, Eileen, assumed that the visit went poorly. That's too bad, she thought. All Ted had ever wanted was for his father to be happy. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, son, I don't know when. We'll get together then. Feedback for episode 32, the Warden's Last Day by Andon Sharp. This one seemed to throw everyone off guard a bit. Todd's cat said, eh, it was a bit too messy for me. I could see where the author was trying to establish conflicting emotions about the main character, and I like how that reflects to some extent the conflicting arguments about capital punishment. But overall, I didn't really find it effective. A sea monster would have helped it out a bit. Whereas Captain Matt said, I don't know. I, for one, am not interested in a steady diet of tapeworms and brown-colored deposits delivered via my headphones. A little bit of leavening in my bread is a good thing. Indeed it is, Matt. Indeed it is. Well, that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which basically means you can't copy or sell this, but you can and certainly should share it with your friends. If you enjoy this podcast, you should consider donating via the PayPal link on our website so that we can pay our authors. Special thanks to Bo Kyer for designing our new logo. This guy does some amazing stuff for us. You should all check out his work at http colon forward slash forward slash dot com. There's a link to that on our website. Expect to see more Drabblecast collaborations with Bo in the future. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you to always take advantage of geriatric hover technology.